Coming up on this week's episode of Keeping Up the Windsors, we're going to be talking all about Prince Harry's security appeal with the Home Office and also those titles being taken away from Prince Andrew, plus so much more. So let's get to it. Grand fanfare welcome to our podcast, Keeping Up With The Windsors, dedicated to the royal family. Each episode will be crowned to the rafters with opinions, news and commentary on the comings and goings of the family of Windsor. With your hosts and royal fangirls, Rachel Andrews and Michelle Thole. So grab yourself a cuppa, straighten up your tiara, shine your knighthood, round up your corgis and and let's let's keep keep up with with the the Windsors. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Keeping It Up With The Windsors. My name is Michelle. And I'm Rachel. Hello everyone. Hello and welcome. Well, we thought we'd start off by welcoming all of our new listeners because we've had lots and lots of new listeners recently, haven't we, Rach? Absolutely fantastic. And we love just building this royal community. We just want to say thank you for all the lovely comments that we've been getting on our Instagram saying how much you're enjoying the podcast. Whenever we read these comments, we just can't believe it. Like It's just so lovely to hear from so many people across the world yeah. that share the love of the royals as we do yeah so thank you everyone who's new and also to returning royal community members we have some updates for Rachel and I's plans for the Platinum Jubilee. We booked our hotel this Yippee! week. I know, I know. <laughs> we was going back and forth, weren't we? Like what hotel to book? But we was like, right, we just need to book it now because they're going to get more and more expensive. More and more expensive. So royal community out there, if you are coming to the Platinum Jubilee, book your hotel sooner rather than later. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We've also got our tickets for Troop in the Colour with Prince William. So that's going to be happening on the 28th of May and we've put our names in the ballot for the Trooping of the Colour with the Queen on the 2nd of June so fingers crossed we all and anyone out there as well Royal Community members who are in the ballot I've got my fingers crossed for you as well fingers crossed we get to get some tickets oh it'd be amazing wouldn't it that's I think the one thing that everybody wants to go to is Trooping the Colour but even if we can't get tickets, we're going to be on the Mall. Yes. We're going to be camped out. We will. We'll be there. Yeah, we will. And <laughs> flying the flag. Flying the flag. And hopefully we'll have some Keeping Up With The Windsors t-shirts. So if anyone's out there, you'll, <laughs> you'll see us. <laughs> if you would love to support the podcast and keep us on the air, then buy Rachel and I a coffee. The link is in the show notes or head on over to Keeping Up With The Windsors over on Kofi. K-O-F-I. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Keeping Up The Windsors Pod. Don't forget to like, comment, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening on Spotify, please subscribe to the channel and leave us a five-star rate. You'll find us on YouTube as well, Keep It Up With The Windsors, and email us, keepingupwiththewindsorspod at gmail.com. Let's get on with today's Royal Roundup. Someone messaged us over on Instagram and asked what the Royal Roundup was, what the difference was between the Roundup and the news. So the Roundup would be something, you know, that we find a little tidbit of information that we think, oh, that's pretty interesting. Something, I don't know, like last week, Sophie was in Qatar. And the Royal News would be something big, like what we're going to discuss later, the update with the Prince Andrew scandal. Yeah. So they're just the differences to make it clear if anyone wanted to know the difference between the Roundup and the news. So first up today, we wanted to wish Sophie, the Countess of Wessex, a very happy 57th birthday. Yay! Happy birthday, Sophie! She's, honestly, she looks like she's what? 
in her 30s. She looks so great. So happy birthday to Sophie. So let's move on to some news from Prince Charles. He has commissioned seven portraits to be made of the last survivors of the Holocaust to be displayed at the Queen's Gallery in Buckingham Palace. There'll be a programme on BBC Two on Holocaust Memorial Day, which is the 27th of January, called Survivors portrait of the holocaust which will go deeper into the stories of the seven survivors and these are helen lily manfred Arik, anita rachel and ziggy and i think rach we haven't seen it yet but i think ziggy and manfred are probably the same ziggy and manfred that met catherine and had their photograph taken as well Absolutely. Yeah. And today, the Duchess of Cornwall has been an engagement to commemorate the 75th anniversary of the publication of Anne Frank's diary. So that ties in with the Holocaust events that will be taken next week. So we'll probably see more of Charles and Camilla next week. Yeah. And I'm actually very interested to watch that documentary as well. Have you read Anne Frank's diary, Rach? Oh, it's one of those books, diaries that I think growing up, every person should read and I actually read it when I was in school and honestly her stories always stayed with me yeah and I actually think if she had been given the chance to grow up that she would have maybe have liked to have been an author that's what I like to think she would have been yeah I um I haven't actually read it but I did go see Anne Frank the play I think seeing a play for me brought her book to life um Prince Charles actually said that these portraits are going to be you know put on display so we can never ever forget the tragedies that happened and how awful um that the holocaust was so i think this is going to be something that's going to stay within the royal collection and rightly so talking about portraits (laughs) we actually have a full exhibition of Charles's watercolour paintings that can be seen for free at the Garrison Chapel at the Prince's Foundation Exhibition Space in the Chelsea Barracks. Now we did cover this a couple of months ago because it's been on display since November but it actually closes on the 14th of February this year so if you want to go and see a full display of um, Charles's watercolour paintings then this is the time to go and do that and I love uh, that Charles did a little remark and he said I'm under no illusion that my sketches represent great art or a burgeoning talent they represent more than anything else my particular form of photograph album and as such mean a great deal to me and what I love about this is it's a very personal project isn't it yeah it takes a lot to offer up your artistic talents you know it does it does and I'm sure they're way better than he's making out like I'm under no illusion oh (laughs) Charles I'm sure they're amazing (laughs) right let's move on to the Cambridges so after those portraits to celebrate the Duchess of Cambridge's birthday we are now moving on to business as usual from the Cambridges Starting with the exciting news that the nominations are now open for the Earthshot 2022. So if you or anyone you know has a solution to help the planet, enter now. Enter now. If you have some kind of solar ironing boards or whatever you've got going on. Me, I can't I can't think of an invention for toffee. Honestly, I'm terrible. <laughs> we also saw the Cambridges on their first joint engagement of the year at the Founding Museum. And Catherine and William heard about the challenges facing young people leaving care, especially with the pandemic adding to the mix and how they are receiving support. Um, It was great to see them together. It was an 
unexpected. Like I, I didn't know that they were going to be on an engagement. So let's give you a bit of a backstory. A foundling is a historic term for a child or baby that has been abandoned by their parents and discovered and cared for by others. Yeah. And it was started at the Foundling Hospital, now known as the Thomas Coram Foundation for Children, and has been in operation for 215 years. Now, this hospital has now become a museum that you will find just around the corner from platform nine and three quarters in King's Cross. Now, Michelle, is this a Harry Potter reference? (laughs) Yes, it is a Harry Potter reference. My friend's wedding reception was at the Foundling Museum. And it's a wonderful place. Honestly, it's it's, because you can hire it and it's steeped in history. And as the social care became better within Britain, the, there was no longer the need for the hospital, so it became the museum. But then, obviously, Thomas Corrin Foundation for Children still carry on the work that the hospital did back then. So it's still going now, but the actual building is now a museum. It was quite like, oh, I've been there when when Catherine and William went, because usually I've never been to any of the places they've been to. So it was really, really nice. So we mentioned her at the top of the episode, but let's now move on to Sophie. And as Global Ambassador for the International Agency for the Prevention of Blindness and in support of the initiative 2030 Insight, the Countess of Wessex has been in Qatar with Orbis in the Middle East, meeting Qatari organisations and dignitaries supporting eye health care programmes and tackling blindness worldwide. And Sophie visited the Qatar Fund, who have supported Orbis to deliver millions of eye tests and treatments across India and Bangladesh. And she also went on to visit the National Museum of Qatar to see the interactive exhibitions for blind and visually impaired, as well as meeting members of the Afghan female robotics team. And to top it off, Sophie planted a tree. Tree! Yay! <laughs> If you're new and you don't know what a tree is, whenever you plant a tree, you always have to say tree Tree <laughs> At the British Embassy in Qatar for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee and the Queen's Green Canopy. Yeah, she was busy. She was very busy. And, you know, this is definitely a subject that's close to Sophie's heart. As we know, her daughter, Lady Louise, had um, operations to help with her eyesight. And this is obviously a passion project for Sophie. Great to see her just want to see again please royal family instagram post more of sophie like we want more of sophie it was interesting isn't it because she was there and it take it took them a few days before they actually uh, announced it on instagram i was like come on we need to see more of her yeah it was on the twitter but like you said it wasn't on the instagram and it really really annoys me that they need to push more of sophie and edward because going forward the monarchy is going to be Charles and Camilla, Catherine and William, and Sophie and Edward. Don't forget uh, Princess Anne. Let's not forget the Princess Royal. <laughs> uh, but it's so true, though, isn't it? I, I don't feel as if they're getting a, a fair crack of the whip. But she was in Qatar for four days. Yeah, she was there for quite a long time, yeah. She was. And, you know, it was. I just loved seeing her engagements. And I'm so happy that we were able to cover it this week. So, yeah. Well done, Sophie. What an amazing patronage to be um, supporting. And remember, if you would like to know any more about the charities, organizations, references we mention in the podcast, they will always be linked in the show notes. Right, Rachel, take a deep breath in, deep breath out, because we are heading to the royal news. And we've got two massive pieces of royal news to, uh, to get through. So let's do it.
Okay, Michelle, let's start with Prince Andrew. Let's do it. Uh, Well, can I just start by saying, when I was uh, looking at all my notes to get ready for today's podcast, and I went to the Duke of York's Twitter account, and it's been deleted. Wow. I know. So that tells you everything about what's to come, Royal Community. Buckle (laughs) up. Keep us up to speed, Rach. What's happened since the last time we heard about Prince Andrew? So we briefly mentioned it on last week's episode. On Wednesday, we found out that Andrew will face a civil trial after Judge Lewis Kaplan dismissed a motion to have the sexual assault lawsuit that Virginia Jeffrey has brought towards Andrew thrown out and ruled that the 2009 agreement between Virginia and Jeffrey Epstein did not prevent her from taking legal action. Virginia's lawyer, David Boyers, has actually come out to say that purely a financial settlement will not do. Andrew is going to need to admit wrongdoing for her to settle. So before we go any further, we have to say Prince Andrew has denied all allegations being made by Virginia Dufresne. So after this judgment was ruled, a Buckingham Palace spokesman said we would not comment on what is an ongoing legal matter. But then... The next day on Thursday, next day, <laughs> after mounting pressure, it was announced via a statement from Buckingham Palace that he would not retain his military honours and patronages. And the statement read, with the Queen's approval and agreement, the Duke of York's military affiliations and royal patronages have been returned to the Queen. The Duke of York will continue not to undertake any public duties and is defending this case as a private citizen. So, Michelle, let's get into it. What do you think about Andrew having these titles removed? Well, I think I mentioned in last week's episode that I think they should have been removed a long time ago. I just, I actually think it was the right time. I think because they definitely knew that a civil case was going to go ahead, that he needed to have gone through as a private citizen and not as the son of the queen, because a lot of people could possibly make the claim if he did, um, you know, win the case, it might've been because of his connections and not because he was a fair trial. And I think that's one of the main reasons why it was right for him to hand back the titles and the patronages, even though I think he should have done that a long time ago. I just feel really sorry for the queen and I feel really, really sorry for Beatrice and Eugenie you know they are like collateral damage in this situation and it's hard isn't it because we can't say that he did or he didn't it's an ongoing case but personally myself I think he should have handed them back a while ago a lot of the army regiments are already called for him to hand it in I think we're mounting pressure and because now they know he will have his civil case tried yeah it was the right time like you I, th- I think you know it's one of those things it was better late than never but it should have happened a long time ago. I like the word in that in the statement of the affiliations being returned. Come on, just say no. You're not. Then he's not returning them. He's basically being stripped of them. Like let's put it in layman's terms. That's what's happening, right? Well, it's very different, isn't it? Because if he's returning them to the queen, it means that he's not guilty. He's just doing the right thing in in inverted commas. However, if the queen was to strip him and write it like that. That would be like her saying that she thinks he's guilty and so she wants the titles and that back. So I actually think the returning of, the wording of this was important because actually maybe he did. Maybe he did return them. 
or maybe she did say come on andrew i can't i can't keep them much longer we need to take them off you yeah we don't know what what goes on behind closed doors but whatever did happen the right thing happened in my opinion i feel like it was the right thing yeah i was it's um funny isn't it? i was talking to someone over on instagram and um they were saying I wish that the dukedom was taken away as well because he he will still be known as the Duke of York. Hmm. And I said, I said, if the institution didn't do that to an abdicated king, they're definitely not going to do that in this circumstance. And I think if that ever did happen, it would be once the Queen passes and Charles becomes king. And it would be Charles's decision then to do that. Yeah, because remember, a dukedom is given as a as a wedding present or as a present mm-hmm. to somebody and no one takes a gift back that's just not the right thing <laughs> to do is it it's a gift that the queen's given she's not going to take that back i did have a question though and somebody asked me is andrew still a prince and actually he is still a prince he's just not his royal highness prince andrew but he is prince andrew the duke of york just like harry isn't it prince harry the duke of sussex yeah yeah exactly like like you said I feel I feel really bad for Eugenie and Beatrice they have normal quote-unquote jobs yeah they do so can you imagine going into work the next day after this has happened and because this was literally on the news as soon as it happened six o'clock news it was it was it was the breaking news story that's what everyone was talking about it was trending on twitter and i think there was no other choice as queen that this needed to be done but as a mother i bet this was a really difficult and hard decision for the queen to make yeah and there's also been murmurings that it was widely discussed within the family particularly um with charles and william which would make sense because they are the heirs apparent However, did you hear that from a palace source, Rach? I did hear that from a palace source, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, no, but I, I honestly think that would have happened. It makes sense. Because you think back to when Harry was leaving, w- wanted to step back from his role within the royal family. It was, you know, they were calling it, the press were calling it the Sandringham Summit, weren't they? Because it they was were. the Queen, Charles, William and Harry. Yeah. Because... You know, at the end of the day, this does affect Charles and William as future kings of the country and of the Commonwealth. The way I see it, if Prince Andrew hadn't have done that BBC interview, I would have given him the benefit of doubt, like let him have his day in court. I think I might have said again last week, it was like the the court of public opinion was like, he's guilty. Yeah, It, It just wasn't the right thing to do, to be honest. No, and... I mean, we've seen many interviews with Andrew over the years and he always always comes across really conceited, doesn't he? And entitled. Yes. Compared to other members of the family. And yeah, I think, like you said, if he had just not done that Newsnight interview, then maybe this wouldn't have been a big story. Mm. Do you know, and when this was all happening, do you know what this reminded me of? And we always go back to the crown. (laughs) Go on, what? You know, there's that scene when the Queen becomes Queen and Queen Mary writes her a letter. In the letter, you know, she's speaking about the monarchy and she says it's something along the lines of the crown must come before or else and the crown must win. You know, this just reminds me that this is not just a family, but it is a business. And the institution is something that needs to be protected. And this is why the Queen has done what she's done. Given that statement, well, obviously she's not given it personally, but Buckingham Palace has released that statement because, you know, they're trying to protect 
what the institution is and protect it for when Charles and William become kings. Yeah. It just it's just it was very much a drama, but it's just like you are uh, I just even now I, I can't actually believe this is happening. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I think that this whole situation with Andrew is the biggest royal news story since the abdication. Oh, that's big. I mean, because Princess Diana and Charles's divorce was massive, wasn't it? And then Harry and Meghan's, you know, split from the royal family was massive. You're saying this is bigger? I think this is just as big. I think I think when you look at the monarchy as a whole and up until this point, what has happened throughout the years... Yes, I think take, maybe taking Diana out of the equation, Diana passing away out of the equation, I think this has really marred the royal family and everything that they do. As we know, there's anti-monarchists out there. Not everyone agrees that we should have a royal family. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, you know, really spearheaded that movement into saying this is why we shouldn't have a monarchy. Yeah, it's fueled the flame, hasn't it? Yeah. And also remember, Rach, monarchies live for years and years and years in the zeitgeist of society, in 300, 400, 500 years' time, they're going to look back at this moment to go, oh, that was the disgraced son of the queen who she was steadfast and did an amazing job and he showed her up, you know? We know what the queen's legacy is going to be. Yeah. It's just, I think it seems like the family around her are the ones that have fought, like fallen short of that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. i got a question for you though, Rach. Okay, go for it. Will we see, and Royal Community, answer this in your head now whilst you're listening, will we be seeing Prince Andrew on the balcony at the Platinum Jubilee? What do you think? Well, obviously he shouldn't be there. The people that run behind the scenes need to make that decision not to have him there because I think that will really, again, mar the Platinum Jubilee celebrations. You know, it's to celebrate the Queen. And if you put her disgraced son out there you know who's in a civil case of sexual assault then Mm. what message does that read to the country that we've got this member of the royal family in that situation I think he may be at some of the celebrations but I don't think we'll see him on the balcony I honestly feel like the balcony especially for Troop in the Colour will be the main working members of the family yeah but it's it's one of those things as well where we're going to go into harry in a bit but are we going to see harry at the at the jubilee are we going to see harry on the balcony hold that thought thought because i've got one more question before we move on to harry what do you think is next for prince andrew i think his legal team are telling him basically to lay low we only see him really at windsor great park on his horse that's the only time we ever really see him or when he's driving to and from windsor castle I honestly, I just can't predict what's going to happen. You know, Virginia Jeffrey's lawyers say it isn't about the money, but at what price, you know, at the end of the day, is she going to name her price? And for this to go away, is he going to pay her what she wants? Is, is that's, I think that's another question we have to ask ourselves as well. Yeah, because a lot of civil cases um, get settled out of course. Mm-hmm. And also that still doesn't mean he's guilty or not. It just means it gets settled. It gets swept under the rug. But I think, to be honest, we also have to say that there are allegations and he might have got stripped of all this because of these allegations and he might not have done it, but he might have done it. It's just one of those things. We'll never know the the truth, only... Virginia Dufre and Prince Andrew know the truth. And moving forward, I think it'd be best for him just to distance himself for a while. It's unfortunate, really, because this is 
a massive celebration for the queen but it would be a shadow it would be a shadow like a big cloud over the day or over the festivities okay let's move on to the second piece of royal news this week and it's prince harry what's happening rach he is seeking a review against a refusal of the home office to allow him to personally pay for police protection when he's in the uk So Harry says that his private security team does not have the adequate jurisdiction abroad and that he wants to visit his home country with his family, but needs to ensure their safety. Now, he lost his taxpayer funded police security after stepping back from royal duties in 2020. We know that. He obviously is saying that he will pay for his own security like he does at the moment. Obviously, living in America, he hires a security team to look after his security. But the application for the review, which is being challenged in the High Court against the decision, follows a security incident in London in July 2021. So this is when he was over for Prince Philip's funeral, when his car was chased by photographers as he left a charity event, which I find like, not strange, but I don't remember seeing this. I don't remember. I knew that he'd gone to a charity event because I'd seen photos of it. But then the photographers don't take pictures of photographers, do they? They take pictures of what they need, which it would be Harry. So I guess you'd never really see that. Yeah. Um. I think the main the main thing here is he has his own security in America. In Britain, you can't carry guns. You just can't carry weapons. The only the only um, people who are allowed to carry weapons um, are prote- uh, close protection officers. The main thing here is we know that certain companies pay the Home Office to have extra police at, say, uh, like football stadiums or, you know, like big uh, social gatherings. Big events. Big yeah. events. And the reason why is because not only does it keep their football fans happy and their brands, you know, ticking over the home office is happy to do that because there is a lot of threat when it comes to big groups of people there's a massive threat that's why they they work with these with prince harry it's him and his family and it's not a massive group of people now that doesn't make it any right or wrong and i'm not saying more people should be more valuable than one person alone but to ask a public funded service to protect your family it just seems personally for me a step too far because he is actually a private citizen he's not a mem he's a member of the royal family but he's not a royal no he's not a working member of the royal family just to give you a bit of context a personal protection officer is an officer of the metropolitan police protection command who is assigned for the personal protection of members of the british royal family the prime minister government ministers, ambassadors, visiting heads of state and other individuals deemed to be at risk. Now, I'm guessing that the bit where it says other individuals deemed to be at risk is where Harry's saying, well, I inherited a security risk at birth by being a royal. So I should get that. And to be honest, go for it. Like if, if you can ask for it and it gets delivered, fine. But it also seems like he's wanting his cake and eating it too. There was something that I read that he needed um, intel. He needed British intelligence to keep him safe. Well, that's fine, but no private citizen is able to have that information. So why should you? You know, and I think this is this is where the wires get crossed. It isn't because it's Harry. It isn't because it's Meghan. It isn't because it's Lillian Archie. We want them to be safe. Yeah. But if you are a private citizen who's just a multimillionaire and can use your money to buy your security, then 
you still have to go by the laws of the land. And that is a private citizen can't just buy intelligence. Not that I know of anyway. Does anyone else know anything different than me? <laughs> yeah, because in, in the statement, it said Prince Harry inherited a security risk at birth for life. He remains six in line to the throne, served two tours of combat duty in Afghanistan. And in recent years, his family has been subjected to well-documented neo-Nazi and extremist threats. The UK will always be Prince Harry's home and a country he wants his wife and children to be safe in. With the lack of police protection comes too great a personal risk. Obviously, I understand he wants to keep his family safe, but the police aren't for sale. Intelligence isn't for sale. You can't you can't buy that. And unfortunately, it was his decision to leave as a working member of the royal family. The full time protection goes to the Queen, Charles and Camilla, Catherine and William. That's it. The only time, say, for instance, Anne or Sophie and Edward get protection is when they're on official engagements or official tours. That is the only time because they're not considered high risk, high threat. So we also have to make a point of saying that Harry's legal representative said that he offered to pay the cost of police protection in January 2020 when the San Juan summit took place. And they were discussing the Sussex's future roles, but the offer was dismissed. So at this point, this was when Harry and Meghan were saying, we still want to be involved in some way. You know, we still want to represent the Queen but we would also like to make our own money outside of the institution. And basically it was like, you're either in or you're out. Yeah. I just, I just think it's just one of those things like government spokesperson said that the UK's protective security system is rigorous and proportionate. And it is a longstanding policy not to provide detailed information on those arrangements to do so could compromise their integrity and affect individual security. So again, it's that whole thing of, you know, if Harry is saying, yes, he wants to pay for his own security, but his security team that he currently has does not have the same specialised intelligence that the Metropolitan Police have. But at the end of the day, why would the UK security systems liaise with a outsider security firm, if that makes sense? Yeah, a private American security firm. It makes no sense at all. You wouldn't share your intelligence with another country unless it was, you know, deemed effective to both countries. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I also want to make a point that I think it's imperative that Harry and Meghan come to the UK, especially for the Platinum Jubilee. Because they do have those contracts with Netflix. And that would be amazing footage for them to put onto Netflix because then they'll have the juxtaposition between their life in America and then their experience of what it's like in the UK now they've left. Yeah, but then it goes to the whole thing is you can't make money off of the institution. That would be, you know, they would have to get permission from the Queen and the institution to be able to film those segments. And I just feel if he did that, then he would just be playing on his role as a prince. And that was the whole point is that he left the UK to become, you know, to become financially independent, to not be a working royal. Again, another question this ties into is Meghan hasn't been here, here in the UK since they moved to America, right? So obviously she was pregnant with Lilibet when um, Prince Philip passed away. So she couldn't come over for the funeral. But it's one of those things is, do you actually think, even if they can get security, that she will come over? When this story came out, what I found interesting was how many people just jumped on the bandwagon of the police are bad. 
Like they said no. Everyone wants him to protect his family. Actually, the police are saying we're not giving you special intelligence. And though you're not entitled to that security because you are not deemed important enough because you step back from that importance. That's it. That's the rules. They're just rules. And I think he just tried to see whether he could. And they've said no. And now he's appealing that. And if they say yes, they say yes. They say no, they say no. He's not going to come to the, the UK without any security. He's got his security. It's just he won't be able, they won't be able to carry guns and they won't have extra intel on, you know, like you say, those threats and whatever. But that happens to every other British royal family member that's not a principal. So it's like you you made your bed, you got to lie in it. And I hate saying that because it's about the security of, of four human beings. But also, it's like he's... Although he said he wants to pay for it, he's still using his privilege in order to ask to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And like you rightly said, Rach, the actually for for pro- private citizens, the police are not for sale, and that's just the way it works here. It's a public funded service, and that's it. And like you said, you know, we know living here in the UK, we see it on the news all the time how much public services, especially the police force, are understaffed. You know, they're they're pulled from pillar to post. Yeah. I can't even remember the last time I saw a policeman on the street. Exactly. Exactly. We need so many more police officers. And then we're going to take more. I mean, I even tried to think about the, the Platinum Jubilee and how many they'll have to take from all of the UK just so they don't take everything from London. Because if everyone's on the mall, who is going to be policing the neighbourhoods? Do you see what I mean? They don't get extra people to come in. It's not like the the um the Olympics where they get the volunteers to just come in and help out. That's just not the way it works. Yeah. I don't know. This struck a chord with me this week. It'll be interesting to find out when this this will be reviewed and when we will get the outcome of it because, you know, the Platinum Jubilee starts in June. So it's not really that long to go. I guess we'll see as we go along. I read, though, Rach, that this Prince Harry story... Because this happened, I think, in January. Uh, uh, when was it? A couple of months ago that this, ha- this happened. September. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not like a new story. And I feel like they sat on it. Exactly. You know, as we've watched from the princes in the press, you just never know with the press. And I read somewhere on Twitter, on the Twitter sphere, that they used Prince Harry's story with this to stop us talking about Prince Andrew. Because it was literally a day after the announcement that Prince Andrew had returned his titles, that this Harry story came out. So it was very interesting because... Scapegoating. Yeah, exactly. We're kind of looking into the workings of the press now and figuring it out. Um, But I I also, I love to give the benefit of the doubt to Harry and Meghan because you would, if you had the money there, if you had the privilege there and you had that security risk, you would do exactly the same thing as he's doing. So I don't blame him. I don't think he's done anything wrong. But I just think that he has to be prepared that there may be a no answer at the end of it. And I think we mentioned in Oprah part one or two, it's like giving in your notice at a job, but expecting to still have all the privileges that that job role brings. And it just doesn't work like the world doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. And also another thing that I wanted to mention, I've just thought of this actually, is that I'm guessing this has come out for the Platinum Jubilee. But for instance, 
William and Catherine and their children went on holiday to Jordan. We know that because we saw the Christmas photograph. And there we did see that one pap shot, didn't we, of them at Heathrow. Yeah. But we didn't hear about them. We didn't see any photos of them when they was on holiday. What is stopping Harry and Meghan and their children from coming over? But nobody knows about it. They wouldn't have to announce it to anyone. They could just come over. They could just go straight to Windsor. They could go to Frogmore or, you know, one of the many houses that they have on the estate or Sandringham. They wouldn't have to go to London. They wouldn't have to go to Kensington Palace. They'd be seen more probably in London than they would do in Windsor or Sandringham. So what's stopping that from happening? I think that happens with Catherine and William because William plays the press game and Harry doesn't play the press game. And because he doesn't play the press game, and rightly so, because he doesn't do that, he also gets the backlash from the press and they will not, they won't hold back a picture of him because they get nothing in return. And actually what they get in return is also they get lawsuits. So I don't think he has that privilege or that entitlement that is afforded to Prince William. But that's fine. But what I'm saying is they could easily come over as a family and you know, not go out. They could just go to Windsor, stay on the estate, and they wouldn't be seen by anyone because it would be they're in a private estate. Yeah. So the only time they possibly would be seen is at the airport. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, rightly, rightly so. Yeah. But would that be good enough for Netflix? That's the question, <laughs> isn't it? Only time will tell with this, as we always say, Royal Community. What do you think? Do you think that it was right for the Home Office to reject them and then now they're appealing? And what do you think the Home Office are going to say next? Also, what do you think of Prince Andrew's titles being handed in, uh, stripped, who knows, whichever way that is? Um, What do you think? Let us know in the comments below. So don't forget, you can follow us on Instagram at Keeping Up The Windsors Pod. You can also email us at keepingupthewindsorspod at gmail.com and follow us on YouTube, Keeping Up The Windsors. Yeah. So this week we had a video go up when we saw King George VI and the Queen Mother's memorial statues on the Mall. And we talked to you about what we saw. And yeah, we go in great detail about the actual statues. They're amazing, aren't they? Yeah. And it's really off the beaten track. So if you've never walked up the Mall before, it's definitely something you should go and see. And if you're here for the Platinum Jubilee this year, you definitely need to go see them. It's brilliant. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week on Keeping Keeping Up up With The the Windsors. Windsors.